what a day, what a month, what a life, what a week. Welcome back to another great edition of What a Week. I'm your host, James Simmons, he, him pronouns, and I am super excited for our guest today. First, I speak with a tax expert, Kelly Barlow, and later with the former president of the Iowa Senate, Senator Pam Yocum, to discuss the tax plans coming from each side of the aisle this week. But before we get to that, let's head over to our weekly rundown. On the weekly rundown, I will be sharing with you highlights from this week's news. You can also get these daily highlights by subscribing to our Daily High Five, Progress Iowa's new newsletter that keeps you up to date about the happenings around the state. Oh, thank you. So, without further ado, let's get started on today's weekly rundown. First up on the weekly rundown, Governor Kim Reynolds announced that she is ending the public health disaster emergency proclamation that she originally signed in March of 2020. By ending this proclamation, COVID Kim has decided that with a swipe of her hand, she can make the pandemic go away. However, this pandemic isn't going away and it isn't over, and ending this proclamation will shut Iowans out of pandemic resources that have helped some families stay afloat. Families will lose access to SNAP benefits, making it harder to feed their children. Schools will lose substitute teachers who were only licensed under the emergency proclamation, even as we continue to see teachers driven out of the state by the harmful Republicans' attacks against public education. And despite what Governor Reynolds says, the COVID-19 virus is not the same as the common flu. We clearly cannot contain it and handle it in the same capacity we have with flus. And now, even more than ever before, I am encouraging everyone, everyone, to go and get your vaccine, get your booster, and protect yourself, your friends, and your family, because this governor has proven that she isn't going to do it. And while Republicans continue to defund public schools in favor of private religious schools, they want to make sure that they can be the best big brother they can to public schools. For only the cost of an underpaid teacher's salary, every school district would be required to install cameras in their classrooms so they can monitor teachers, according to a new bill in the Iowa House. Beyond the fact that we don't live in a dystopian sci-fi novel, I don't really want random strangers across the state or the country being able to watch My Little Sister study science or do P.E. You cannot simultaneously ask teachers to devote 15 hours a day for very little pay to provide the best education to our students while also micromanaging them and villainizing them to the rest of the state. And in that same fascist vein, Iowa Senate President Jake Chapman has followed through on his threat to introduce legislation that would put teachers in jail. I'll repeat that again. The Iowa Senate President introduced a bill that would put teachers in jail. And all for the crime of teaching real history, not Republican cherry-picked history. Our state is hemorrhaging education professionals, and these constant Republican attacks against our educators is not going to bring them back anytime soon. Our last piece today for our weekly rundown are the opposing tax plans coming from the Iowa House and Senate Republicans and the Iowa Democrats. 
Right now, House and Senate Republicans have each introduced a tax plan that are a little different from each other's and the governor's, but they each contain the signature corporate Kim Reynolds tax cut. All three plans would also raise taxes on the lowest earners in Iowa, while also significantly lowering taxes for the wealthiest people and corporations in our state. Iowa Democrats, however, announced their plan this week, and my guest, Democratic Senator Pam Yoakum, is going to share a little bit more about how their plan will actually help Iowans. But before we get to the nitty-gritty of all these tax plans, I spoke with a tax expert, Kelly Barlow, to learn a little bit more. Kelly Barlow is an accountant and tax expert from Northern Iowa. She has been incredible to speak with because, like a lot of people, I don't know much about taxes other than that I need to fill them out every year. And my first guest today is Kelly Barlow. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited to get to speak with you. It's always a good time. I'm super excited, especially too, because taxes are this whole other world for a lot of us. I mean, we all have to file it every year, but everyone says taxes, this, taxes, that, and no one, no one really knows what they're talking about. So to kick it off, can you just explain to us a broad overview of what a progressive versus a regressive tax is and what like that term means when we're talking about a flat tax versus the current tax system? All right, absolutely. So here is the thing. We actually all know what the progressive tax system is because it's what we live with every single day, both at the federal level and at the state level. We just don't call it that because that's like a tax term. We just call it that's our tax bracket. Mm -hmm. Um, The gist of it is the higher income you are, the higher tax bracket you fall into, thus you pay more tax. The opposite end of that in our discussion is the regressive tax. And so regressive, that is, I feel like that's a little bit of a misnomer because um, it makes it sound like it is the exact opposite. The exact opposite would be my income goes down, I pay, or my income, how would that be? It would be my income goes up, I pay less tax. And it's not exactly like that. It's much more like the flat tax system. And the reason they call it regressive is they see it as like a backward step, sort of, um, because the same tax is applied to everybody regardless of their economic situation. Um, And we actually already know a little bit about that. We just don't realize it. Um, Luxury taxes, things like that, um, what's called sin taxes, like taxes on alcohol, cigarettes, things like that. Those are all flat taxes, and those would be considered regressive. So we have flat taxes on top of other progressive taxes, and there are a number of other states that do that as well, right? Indeed. Indeed, it's pretty common. And so under this new flat tax system, then, um, with everyone, it it sounds, then it sounds fair. It sounds like everyone's paying 4%, but I mean, or everyone is paying 4% then, and that makes it sound like it's fair on, on face value, but is it fair? Like, does it, or let me rephrase that question. Does it come back to who ends up paying a greater share of their money for this? Well, I think that you hit it right on the head. It, it sounds very fair. Everybody pays 4%, like sales tax, right? We all pay the same sales tax. Um, but when you're talking about income, that's a little bit different. Um, For example, when you're thinking sales tax, that's me going out and using my disposable income. I know what I'm going to be buying. There is a little bit of leeway with that. For example, certain things like necessities, food, don't have sales tax. When we're talking about income tax, 
you get to, you, you feel it a little bit more because my, you know, 4% of my $10,000 income, I'm going to feel much more than 4% of my $100,000 income. Mm. I won't feel that as much, or I'll feel that in a good way <laughs> is the opposite. So, right. And so while the faith, that face value number sounds fair across, we know that equal does not always mean equitable and does not True. bring down that same amount of pressure on different families. Because like you just said, the family who has $10,000 that's being ch- charged $400 is a much bigger chunk for them in the, in the grand scheme of having to pay for things versus then just losing $4,000 if you make $100,000 a year when you still have the other $96,000 to pay for childcare, food, all the necessities that you have to pay. Indeed. Indeed. And if you um, if you think about it in terms of, again, the broad idea, 4% flat sounds awesome. But if you break it down into what goes into my pocket, that's a little bit different. So um, that that's another way of looking at it. Uh, for example, right now, if I was a person who made, say, $25,000, my tax for 2021 under the progressive tax rates that Iowa has now would actually change less than a dollar. I wouldn't see any difference at all once this four, if this 4% were to go into effect. Oh, wow. Like there would be no, no difference really. Um, very negligible. <clears throat> that being said, if I, um, let's say I make $200,000. I'm going to see more like a $7,000 a year reduction. Put that in terms of people's budgets, individual budgets. That's an extra $580 a month. Wow. So that, so it's, it's really important to think about, okay, what is it actually going? What does it mean for me here and now? Like in the moment, over the course of the year, everybody well, no, not even everybody, but many people might see a reduction. But when it comes down to what are they going to see in their pocket, it's not going to be very, it's not going to be very much. Um, another example is let's say, let's say I make more like 57,000. That's actually a really common number in my area. Um, 57,000. With the new system, my tax would decrease by roughly 64, $65 for the year. Oh, for the entire year, the entire year. Well, in, I mean, 57,000. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That would be by the month. That would be by the month. It would decrease by $700, 770 for the year, $65 a month. So that's like, that's one of those things that sounds awesome, but it's like a tank and a half of gas. It's, right. It's like a gym membership that you get going on. Yes. With. And $57,000, um, that number is super, super close. Uh, the median average or the median salary in Iowa is about $60,000. And so coming out to that, that means that while sure, $700 back is, I mean, great. I mean, everyone wants more money back in their pocket, but when you're talking that the $700 in the grand scheme of things is just, you're just paying for your monthly gym membership. And then in three years from now, we're about to lose 25% of our state budget because of this. Like you're going to be paying out of pocket, your childcare, your medical expenses, public safety, just all the, like your property taxes are going to have to go up for what, what it sounds like is not going to be honestly that big of a like give back, like $700 back for paying an extra $10,000 out of pocket. Doesn't sound great to me. 
Indeed. And, and so if we use that $60,000 amount, we're looking at $875 a year. That sounds awesome. $73 a month. Yeah. Which when it comes down to, you're going to be paying more because we're already seeing the prices of, I mean, insurance, everything is just going up. Childcare now costs more per month than it costs to go to university, a public university in the state of Iowa. Yes, it does. Indeed. So. And I want to pay my childcare provider. I do because they're <laughs> awesome. They do a great service. That being said, we also have to take into account what it is, what it means for the person paying it. And that's another thing that we don't know how this, um, the new tax system is going to treat expenses like childcare in terms of a credit. Right now, Iowa doesn't really have a good credit for childcare. Most people can't take advantage of it. And so um, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, that was my next question too. Do we have, has anything been released about deductions about any, like how this will tie into it? Uh, if Is this just going to be 4% flat, flat tax on, like, how is this tying into everything with all the different things that come into the tax system? So that's also an excellent point because all of these numbers we've been talking about have been on based on taxable income. Mm -hmm. And so a huge question is how do we arrive at that taxable income? And that is where all these deductions come into play. And truthfully, I haven't seen really anything at all about taxes or about deductions or credits and credits come up on the other side. We figure your tax and then we give you credit against it. And I haven't seen anything at all about that. And I, like you just said, like the Democrats have brought up their plan this week about um, the about, about their tax plan, and, and part of it expands the uh, earned uh, child income credit uh, mm-hmm. from fifteen percent to thirty percent. Excuse me, uh, the earned income credit, not the child income credit, from fifteen percent to thirty percent. And so that's obvious. That's part of the Democratic tax plan, and that's been discussed over here. But we still don't have this information coming out for this major tax rewrite that only one party is pushing, but we're, but there are still elected officials from the other party and Iowans who want to know how this is going to affect our state. And we don't have that information yet. This is very, very true. And I will say that I remember when the earned income tax credit on the Iowa return was increased the last time it used to be the way that it's figured is it's a percentage of what your credit turned out to be on your federal return. And so when you say like 30%, it's if I got $2,000 on my federal return, my Iowa credit would be equal to 30% of that $2,000. And so I know that doesn't seem like much, but, but it is, um, because it it pays off. Um, when it jumped the last time, because I believe if my memory serves me right, it used to be 8% of the federal amount. And when it went from the 8% to the 15%, that it is now, we actually saw really, we saw people who normally pay in, not pay in <laughs> anymore. I remember, I, I remember that vividly. Um, a lot of that, of course, you can help by changing your withholding and things like that. But the people that it ends up helping are individuals who live in um, smaller rural areas that have an additional school district surtax or emergency medical service surtax. Those aren't accounted for in our withholding tables. And so we did see like a, a major I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Impact at the tax desk when we saw that, that oh. last hike, so. And I have one last question about this tax plan. Um, I just wanna, the Democratic plan does not give away corporate tax cuts and the Republicans plan does have a 
large $300 million corporate tax cut involved with it. Is this going to help Iowa businesses? Is this going to help? Well, it all depends much like the individual one. It all depends on just how much taxable income they have. So the major, the top tax bracket right now, top tax rate is 9.8%. The low is 5.5. So 5.5 is kind of the goal for the new tax law, corporate law. Um, But that's the lowest as it is. So if you're already in that tax bracket, it doesn't really help you. Okay. So then the question becomes, well, where does that tax bracket start and stop? That stops at $100,000 of taxable income. So if your corporation has more than that, you will see a a tax savings, but if it's less, then there's there's been no change. So smaller businesses are not going to see a change with that. And just for clarity for myself and the listeners, um, Mm -hmm. a small business is a business defined as one that makes $250,000 or less per year, right? Well, actually, I'd have to go check because in in IRS code, it's more like $25 to tell you the truth. I'd have to double check. But usually when we think about small business in practical terms, we do think $250,000 or less. Okay. So when we're talking small businesses when we're in this conversation and in general, just, you know, the general connotation of it, when we're saying small business, we're talking about these smaller businesses that are making maybe a 10th of what the IRS is cl- classifying as small business, but like the everyday businesses right. that we see on main street in Des Moines or in Oskaloosa. Yes. I would say 250,000 is a good number to put on that. Awesome. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. I really appreciate you answering my questions. I know I've learned stuff and I'm sure that our listeners are excited to be able to have a better grasp of knowledge about taxes moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I add one other thing? Yes. I was just thinking about as you were, we were, I brought up the school district surtax. Yeah. So that's something that is a percentage of your tax. So if you figure your Iowa tax and it's $1,000 and you live in a smaller area that has an additional surtax, that surtax is a percentage of your tax. So that implies that those school districts will also, if that calculation remains the same, their revenues will go down substantially because tax will go down. Their percent might stay the same, but... Mm -hmm. Just something that came to my mind. I don't live in one of those, those school districts. So it's, oh, for me, it's not never the thing that's right up front in my mind, but it just popped into my head as we were talking. I thought, oh my goodness, they have a, they have that extra tax because they need that. So. Right. No. And that's, and that's an incredibly important thing. I'm glad that you threw that in there because we're with this, I mean, with the reduction of the funding uh, of our state budget with this, if this new tax code were to go into law, I mm-hmm. mean, if almost 50% of our state budget goes to education. And if we're about to lose 25% of our state budget, somewhere has got to pick up that slack. And then if this tax code then cuts into that and cuts into that revenue even more, our rural districts are about to be hit really, really hard. It makes me very nervous. Makes oh me goodness. very nervous. Well, we will keep an eye out for everything moving forward. Um, our next guest is Senator Pam Yocum. She's the former president of the Iowa Senate, and she's going to speak with us more about these taxes and how this is going to play out in Iowa and affect us. But thank you for all the information you shared with us today, Kelly. Hey, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. You too. <laughs> 
Phew, now that I at least have a better idea about taxes and how they work in Iowa, I am excited to speak with my next guest, the former Iowa Senate president, ranking member on the Senate Ways and Means Committee, and the senator from Dubuque, Pam Yoakum. Senator Pam Yoakum, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. I appreciate it. It's been a long week. It has been a long week and there's been a lot of stuff going on, obviously. And I mean, just today, uh, the Iowa House and Democrat uh, House and Senate Democrats, excuse me, introduced their tax plan um, in response to the Republicans tax plan. Would you mind uh, just explaining that to me and our listeners? Sure. Just just a, a very broad overview of it, because we still are working on some of the details of it. Um, but certainly we're going to be very focused on making sure that um, middle class working families get the bulk of any kind of a tax cut on their income tax. We want to increase the child and dependent tax credit. And that will certainly help a lot of families who are paying childcare costs. So what we want to do is actually increase that credit to any family who has income of up to $90,000 in the state. And if we do that, just a taxpayer who has an income of about $40,000 a year, they would get about an additional 600 bucks a year to help cover their childcare costs every year. So that does help a great deal because childcare is becoming almost as expensive in many families as their mortgage payment. And then of course, the other thing we want to do is double the earned income tax credit. Um, currently we are at 15%, this is a little complicated, but 15% of the federal credit. We wanna move that up to 30% of the federal of the federal tax credit for earned income. So this, here's an example. So a single mom with three children working two jobs, earning uh, probably around 30,000 bucks a year, something like that, that that woman, uh, that mom would actually see about $6,600 from the earned income tax credit to help her support her family and to make sure her kids are going to be okay. Wow, that is a huge jump, especially when the governor's plan is the flat tax, which is obviously not going to be beneficial. Majority of Iowans, but the flat tax um, is only going to save the average Iowan family thirteen hundred dollars versus this plan, which would cut taxes for lower income earners, but also make them have more money back into their pocket in the refund. Sure. So that let, let's just back up just a minute in terms of the Republican and the governor's proposal on a flat tax for, um, for for individual income tax. So on the surface, the flat tax sounds like a good idea. And a lot of people think it's fair. And it isn't. No. It is not a fair tax. And quite frankly, it will flatten, <laughs> flatline public education, our public health system, and, and many of the other essential services that we rely on as Iowans from state government. So, so let's just play this out a little bit. I went back through and we, we are still waiting for the Republicans to give us the spreadsheet on what their 117 page tax bill with 24 different tax divisions in it. Well, actually, how is actually going to cost and what it looks like in the out years to help us, you know, assemble a budget that can keep educating our kids and so on. So here, here's, here's a great example. There are 3,430 people in this state 
who have a taxable income, taxable, that means they earn a lot more than that, a taxable income of more than a million dollars a year, 3,430 Iowans. They will see with this flat tax by 2028, when all this is, is uh, phased in, about $1,419 a week, a week. Now, let's turn to the family that has $10,000 of taxable income, which is probably about $30,000 gross because we now we get to start taking a $20,000 what they call standard deduction. So it means you can deduct $20,000 from your income. That leaves you with whatever your taxable income is after you do that. So let's just say they have the $30,000 of annual income. They take their standard deduction. Now they have $10,000 of taxable income. That family is going to see a change of 28 cents a week. About enough for about 15 minutes on a parking meter. So then I looked at a little closer at their numbers. And this is, this is only one piece. So this is the only stuff we've gotten any kind of financial information on so far. Iowa's median income last year was $60,500. So that means half of all families earn less than that, half make more than that. Okay. That family, and there's about 98,000 Iowans who, who fall into that category. Hmm. They will see about 13 bucks a week, a change in their taxes of about 13 bucks a week. And I say, well, you know, it'll give them a happy meal or maybe two. And right. is that worth, is that happy meal really worth um, having to someday have to make dramatic cuts to our public education system, our health system, public health. Because we all know the public health system was hollowed out over the years. And that became very clear when this pandemic hit. And we also know this is not the end of the pandemic. There will be others and we're not even out of this one yet. So, so that just get, illustrates what, what, what we're up against right now in terms of a flat tax. It is not a fair tax. It truly is not. And even when we look at some of the other pieces of the bill, um, the vast majority, like 80% of it, 80% of even the pension tax changes will go to 20% uh, of retirees. So most retirees we will see very little change in their income tax at all for the retirement benefits. And that, of course, is because right now we don't tax any Social Security. And, of course, you can have as a couple $1,000 a month from a 401k plan or whatever, some kind of a private plan, and not pay any taxes on it. And that's pretty much what most Iowan, retired Iowans are living on. So anyway, that's just kind of a, a snapshot of just one provision of this 24 division bill. One other thing, nine states right now have a flat tax, just nine. And one of them is my neighboring state of Illinois and they have a 4.9% flat tax and they've had that for quite some time. And quite frankly, Illinois has been in a financial mess for a long time. This has not worked well for them at all. And I know the governor has also said that somehow uh, having this flat tax on individual income tax was gonna encourage more people to move to Iowa. Well, I know that young families choose where they wanna live because we have a great education system, safe neighborhoods, a quality of life. All of it takes some money. And so then I start looking at the nine states that have had a flat tax for a while. And it's, it's like comparing apples to oranges because for example, not, almost none of these nine states allow you to take a what we call the standard deduction I mentioned a little earlier. They got rid of all of that. 
And North Carolina not only got rid of that, but they also got eliminated the earned income tax credit. They eliminated deductions for medical expense, retirement, they got rid of other retirement exemptions, um, childcare. You can't deduct any of that anymore in the state of North Carolina. So, so to compare apples to oranges, it's really comparing apples to oranges. It's not a fair assessment. I also looked at the population growth. Six of those nine states had a population growth that is lower than Iowa's was for the past 10 years. The three states have had equal to, which the, the national average is about seven and a half percent population growth. The only three states that saw that kind of growth or even a little higher was uh, Massachusetts, Utah, and I'm looking, there's one other and I missed, oh, North Carolina, those three states. All the others, their, their uh, population growth was similar to Iowa's or less. So that certainly has not been a selling point to attract younger Iowans and workers to come and live and work and play in their states, has not. So I don't, I don't buy some of their arguments, but what we will work on is a much more targeted plan that will help Iowa's workers because Iowa's workers really are the backbone of our economy. And those are the people who have been left behind for way too long by um, tax cuts and policies that have really benefited Iowa's wealthiest people and uh, large corporations and, and special interest groups. And the time is, has come to just call it to an end. Thank you for explaining all of that. I, I really like what you point out, like, and throughout all of that, that this flat tax sounds, they want to make it sound flat tax, fair tax, but it's flat tax, a flat line for the state budget, but also that it's not simple, that just because it seems like on paper, oh, that, oh it's 4% flat tax all across, it's a simple thing, but that it's not, that it's complicated because there's all these different things that tie into it. There's the deductions and the different, like, how are they going to be addressed here versus the way, like in North Carolina that lost all of them, like you just pointed right. out. Right. Well, uh, and Pennsylvania, they have all these other taxes on transportation and things like that that we do not have here, which helps them supplement. But I will also say the bill that, that is pending in the Senate, it did come out of committee today on a 11 to 6 vote. <laughs> no big surprise, there are all six Democrats voting no, um, mostly because we just simply haven't gotten the revenue projections at all from the Department of Revenue and what little we do have certainly indicates to us this is not a fair plan. As I mentioned, the, the 3,400 millionaires get a $1,400 a week change in their income tax bill, while those who really need it most are gonna see about 28 cents. So crazy, crazy stuff. Anyway, um, but, but the bill also um, raises sales tax and it affects local governments a great deal um, and franchise tax and premium tax for the insurance industry, they all get a tax cut. Anyway, it's very comprehensive and there's a lot to it. That's why we are still trying to figure it all out. Well, and I want to go to another thing that you spoke about there too, that the focus of this, the Governor Reynolds has said with these tax cuts is that the goal is to attract people, attract young people to come to Iowa, but that's not the case. And the register, I've referenced, referenced this um, editorial a lot lately, but they put out an editorial recently saying that you can't attract businesses if you don't have people. And, and these tax cuts, and especially these large corporate tax cuts that's coming with this, they're trying to make Iowa more marketable to large businesses. But if you don't have the population, the, the local spenders, the, the workers to even fill the jobs for, the, for it, they're not going to come here. So what, 
what about um, the Democrats plan will also help address that other than than helping with child care, which is obviously like just quality of living and infrastructure needed for, for people to get back to work. But what about the Democratic tax plan will also just can attract businesses in general by attracting people? Sure. So 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 the bottom line is, as you said, um, this proposal, both the governor's and the Senate Republicans' proposal, will do nothing to address Governor Reynolds' workforce crisis in the state. Nothing. It will not. And you are absolutely right. Um, if we don't have a workforce, they're not coming. And right now, we don't have a workforce. So what we're saying is if, if this state can afford to give largest corporations another $300 million tax cut, then certainly we ought to be able to find $300 million to invest in our public schools, uh, to invest in uh, work, worker training and apprenticeship programs and making sure that we have a sound public safety and public health system in our state, because those are the kinds of issues that are going to attract young families to come to Iowa. I have heard a number of younger families actually say, you know, I don't think Iowa is committed to educating our children anymore. That's and we are actually looking at moving and trying to find another state. And, and, you know, a lot of these people are very well educated, so they can move around if they want to. So, so that to me, it just breaks my heart because we really need young families to really stay here and help us with all of these issues. I'm aging. <laughs> I need all of you to stick around in my old age to help take care of me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, her, this plan is not going to help solve the workforce crisis at all. It no. will not. So in terms of just that, the bill also to to Senator Dawson's credit, I will give him credit. He is trying to tackle some of the corporate tax credits that have been very lucrative for some of our largest corporations in Iowa. And I'll go. They will remain nameless, but we do have quite a list of very large corporations in Iowa, some of which we all love dearly. Um, however, they have for a long time now not paid a single penny in corporate income tax in Iowa, not a single penny. In fact, several of them, we have written them out for many years now, refund checks that range anywhere from $7 million up to $15 million. So we are actually paying them to be here. And yet, in my humble opinion, businesses benefit a great deal from the services that state government provides, whether it's transportation, roads, bridges, educating the workforce, the list goes on, regulating the financial system. It all takes money and they benefit a great deal from it too. And we, we all have to pay our fair share or someone else ends up paying a whole lot more. Like you were saying, uh, just the amount of harm that's going to come from these tax cuts. And uh, you pointed out earlier, like, sure, maybe some families may make the amount to be able to pay for an extra happy meal or two per week from these tax cuts. But when your childcare costs or your education costs or your healthcare costs are tripling, mm -hmm. quadrupling, whatever number it's going to come out to, because we don't have that data yet, mm -hmm. um, it's your out-of-pocket costs just go up, up and up. Yeah. And there's one other mention. Um, so in terms of like public education, the cost of public education, the state pays about, is paying about 87 and a half percent of the cost to educate our children from early childhood through 12th grade. 12 and a half percent of the cost comes from our property taxes. 
Most of our school districts anymore have what we call a declining enrollment. So they have fewer children enrolled this year than they did the previous year. What we do have in our law is what they call a budget guarantee. So, so we allow local school districts to decide to make up any difference. So we, we base our funding that we provide to local school districts on enrollment. They get so much money per student enrolled in their school, in each school building. And that's the amount of money they get. Every school district gets the same. Same amount of money for every student, no matter where they're at in the state of Iowa. Here's the problem. So, so some, a school district has declining enrollment. You have fewer kids in the school, so they're getting less money from the state. And yet they, they, they still need to have teachers. They still have to pay the light bill, the heating bill, the water bill, the bus drivers, the fuel in the, in the buses to transport the kids, et cetera, et cetera. So school districts have the option of raising property taxes to do that. Well, if suddenly we don't have as much money to fund all of, the, all of these schools and what have you, eventually the burden is going to fall on property taxes, whether they like it or not. So there's a very good chance that down the road we'll be seeing big hikes in property taxes and who knows what else to try and make ends meet. Wow. And we know that all of those hikes are going to be felt mostly by low income earners. Because- Absolutely. And middle class working families who are truly the backbone of our economy and have been left behind for way too long. So that's why we are being very targeted and focused on who, who is deserving of a tax break right now. And if we have to, if we have to continue to give big breaks to people who are living very, very comfortably, something's wrong with this picture. And I would prefer to really help small Main Street businesses and large corporations. Nothing against large corporations, but something's very wrong if the taxpayer has to underwrite their business costs. Right. While Iowa small businesses are struggling to stay open during that's absolutely, and we hear it all the time. And of course, they're having a hard time finding workers, which goes back to our original conversation. Remember the Reynolds workforce crisis. Yeah. yeah, they just say this doesn't solve it at all. Isn't going to increase our population. It's not going to be this big attraction for young families. What they're looking for, like I said, is a good education system for the kids, safe neighborhoods, um, jobs that pay a living wage and they have some kind of a career ladder to them. I mean, it isn't. This isn't rocket science. It just isn't. <laughs> no, people just want to live a comfortable life and give their families opportunities. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. I appreciate you sharing all this. I learned some some today. I know our listeners are going to be learning some too. Well, good. I, we will be looking out for that data as it's coming forward and keeping an eye out for the great work that senators and representatives like you are doing trying to actually advocate for Iowans at the Capitol. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining us again on today's edition of What A Week. You can hear more from us by following our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Progress Iowa, and by subscribing to The High Five, Progress Iowa's daily newsletter that keeps you up to date about what's happening around the state. Thanks so much for listening. My name is James Simmons, and I'll hear you again soon.